And I want to begin a series today, Tough Times, Tougher God. Today's title, When Your Brook Dries Up. When your brook dries up, God will provide. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was from Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Wow. Now either he was hearing God or he was dead. Look at what this man said. It's not going to be do no rain until I give the word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we're in tough times, but we know that we serve a God who is never nonplussed by tough times. A God who always has a plan. And a God who is never hindered in His providing for His people. Lord, thank You that You're the God of provision. You're the God of power. You're the God of might. You're the God of all the earth. You're the God of nations and kings. You put one down and raise up another. We thank You, Lord, that You are in charge of Your universe. And right now, Lord, we thank you for speaking to our hearts today. And I thank you, Lord, for a word of encouragement and a word of faith and a word of hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be all right. Now, I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. The prophets Elijah and Elisha, I call the dynamic duo. Incredible, incredible men in the Old Testament in times of trouble, in times of Israel's trouble. Now I want you to understand that 1 Kings 17 opens up in the middle of a scenario. The scenario is judgment is about to fall on Israel for Israel's sin. God is about to bring judgment and the judgment is going to be a three and a half year drought. 42 months of no rain. Think about that for a moment. No rain and no dew on the ground, no moisture on earth for 42 months. I wish I knew a chief meteorologist who I could ask, what would that do to the landscape? Well, we can surmise. We're not stupid. We can imagine. 42 months without rain, without dew on the ground. And here was the problem. The problem was that Israel had turned to worshiping Baal. And instead of worshiping the true and the living God who had put His name on them, who had blessed them, who had led them, they instead began to turn by the influence of the Canaanites. They began to be infected with their idolatry. And as this idolatry infected them, they began to backslide and actually worship a God who was not a God, the God of Baal. Now what made it even worse is that a wicked king and a wicked queen came into power. You know their names, Ahab and Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel began to not only lead the people further into Baalism, but began to coerce them, force them, insist that they worship the God of Baal. They were persecuting the true prophets of God all over the land. This was bad. Bad rulership, bad kingship, 
bad authority. And as the Bible says, when the wicked rule, the people mourn. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Ahab and Jezebel were wicked. And they began to force the people, you will worship Baal. You will bow down to Baal. You will not worship the true and the living God any longer. And if you refuse, you were persecuted, you were martyred, and the prophets of God were hiding in caves and in the hills of the earth to avoid the persecution of Ahab and Jezebel. Now here's the lie behind Baal. The lie behind Baal was that Baal was the one who brought rain. Baal was the god of rain. And this is what they were taught by the Canaanites and by Ahab and Jezebel, that Baal was the god of rain. And so Baal being the god of rain, Baal was also the god of harvest because the rain fell. They would look up or look wherever and say, thank you, Baal. And then when they reaped the harvest, they would thank Baal and attribute the harvest to Baal instead of the living God. Can you imagine this? That these people who had known the cloud by day, the fire by night, who had followed God, who had seen the hand of God, God had carved out the commandments in stone. They had had a leader whose face glowed in the dark, Moses. God had given them the promised land. And now here they are backsliding and attributing to a false idol, Baal, the glory for the rain and the glory for their harvest. And God finally said, that's it. I'm not going to put up with this any longer. I'm going to stop my people before they totally destroy themselves. And so he raised up Elijah. And this is why it matters that Elijah walks in, and I don't know what he looked like. I kind of think he was John the Baptist-esque. I think he looked like John the Baptist. I think he was kind of wild looking. We don't know anything about him. All of a sudden, Elijah is there, the Tishbite. We don't know anything about his past. There he is. He walks up to the king and says, guess what, dude? This is the revised Wickwire version. Guess what, dude? It's not going to rain. You think Baal brings your rain? I'm here to serve notice. It's not going to rain. And Baal's not going to bring you rain. I'm about to, I'm about to expose the, the deceitfulness and the, the falsity of your God. So it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, here were people worshiping a deity that they thought brought rain. And what this was was a contest of gods. It reminds me of when Moses took his rod and threw it down and it became a serpent. And that serpent devoured the serpents of the magician's rods. There was a contest of gods with Moses and Pharaoh's magicians. And there's a contest of gods here with Ahab and Jezebel and Baal and Elijah's God, the true God, the living God. And so Elijah goes right to the core of the lie. And he says, it's not going to rain till I say so. We'll see who's following the true and the living God. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think they did. I think they looked at Elijah like they probably looked at Noah. Noah said water is going to come out of the sky when water had never come out of the sky. And they didn't believe him, and they mocked him. And for about 100 to 110 years, Noah preached that God was going to bring judgment, and, and, and the people never believed him. He didn't have one convert, not one, after 110 years of preaching. I couldn't take that. <laughs> not one convert after 110, that would give me a complex. But he preached, 
for 100 to 110 years, not one convert. Now here comes Elijah saying, Noah said it was, rain was going to come out of the sky. I'm telling you, there's going to be nothing out of the sky for years. And I think they said, well, there goes the latest nutcase. Wave goodbye to him. Just kind of humor him. Smile at him as he walks out of the court. Let him go. But it turned out that Elijah knew exactly what he was doing. And he was sent by God. And days became weeks. And weeks became months. And months stretched into years. And there was no rain. There was no dew on the ground. And let me just, let me just guess what it was like. All moisture disappeared. All green things began to die. All vegetation began to die. The ground turned to dust with large cracks and fissures etching the landscape. Water became more valuable than gold. If you had gold or you had water, we wanted your water. The cries of thirsty beasts and crying children could be heard in the night. A national rationing program was instituted. we got to save what water we have left. The, the ponds dried up. The lakes dried up. All sources of water began to evaporate, go away, disappear. There was no more water. Panic began to set in. The prophets of Baal desperately cried out, I, I would imagine, cried out to the God that they had taught brought rain. And it was showdown time because no matter what they said or how they prayed, there was no rain and the people of Israel began to realize that this had been a false teaching. God was bringing their false God to his knees. King Ahab and Jezebel ran out of excuses. How can you explain this to us? You said Baal was the God of rain and there is no rain. What are we going to do? What is wrong? Where's Baal? Where's the rain? We're dying. Our children are dying. Our cattle are dying. Where's the rain? And there was no answer because Baal was a false god. I'm going to tell you something, church. When a nation embraces a false god, the day will come when the real God brings that false god to its knees. God will put up with it for just so long and then God will not put up with it anymore. And there will be a showdown between gods. And the true and the living God will bring that false God that a nation or a people have embraced, will bring it down and show it for what it really is. Let me tell you something. It may be tough times, but it's not over until God has had His say. And God will have His say. God will have His say. And, you know, you wonder, here's Elijah. He goes in there and he says, not going to rain till I say so. And then he walked out. And as it became more and more clear that what he had spoken was coming to pass, there was a national manhunt, the Bible tells us, a national manhunt for this strange man who had come in and said, guess what? It's not going to rain until I say so. You don't know me, but you're going to remember me. As the days and months and years go by, you're going to remember me real well. You're going to look for me. But you know what? God had his man hidden away. The Bible says that as soon as Elijah walked away from his prophecy, it says in the Bible, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the brook Kareth. 
near where enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded the ravens. <laughs> Think about this. I have commanded the ravens to bring you food. Can I tell you today, when God wants to get it to you, He will get it to you. And nothing can stop God from getting it to you. So listen to what the Bible says. Elijah did what the Lord told him, and he camped beside the brook Kareth. He camped right there at a bubbling, gurgling brook east of the Jordan. And it says in the Bible, the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, divine room service from, from ravens of all things. They brought him meat, and they didn't forget the biscuits. They brought bread too. And he drank from the brook. Can you imagine? Now, this is living by faith. You're at a brook. The whole nation is under judgment. And I want you to catch that. The whole nation was under judgment. But God took care of his own in the time of judgment. God took care of his own in the time of judgment. And here he is in the morning. He gets up. He hears the gurgling, bubbling brook. He drinks from the brook, and then he begins to wait. And here comes ravens. One of them's got bread. Another one's got meat. And they drop it to, their, to the servant of God, and they do it twice a day. Does that mean God only wants us eating twice a day? We could get kind of religious about this. God thought twice a day was enough for his prophet. So twice a day, he got divine room service. This was miracle living. And you say, do you believe this, Pastor Jeff? Well, of course I believe it. Of course I believe it. God can provide any way that he wants to. Ravens were sent by God to take care of his prophet. It was the only way to get to him. And it was discreet because they were searching for him in a manhunt. Well, who in the world is going to know to follow ravens to the guy? Yes, I believe it. I believe it. The same God who brought the ravens brought two of every species into the ark. And look, he brought you to church. When God wants to get it to you, he will get it to you. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Nothing can stop God from getting to you what you need. He will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if He can't get it to you any other way, He'll get it to you by ravens. He'll get it to you. God will get it to you. While Israel is under divine judgment, God's prophet is experiencing first-class divine room service twice a day. Water to eat, meat to, water to drink, meat to eat, courtesy of ravens sent by God. I'll bet he named them after a while. Here comes Joe, there comes Ben. He knew them well. Hey guys, good job. Boy, this is good bread, this is good meat. Isn't that neat? Here's the principle God will always take care of you. God cannot not take care of you. God cannot not provide for you. There may come a time when you've got to believe him for miracle provision. But can I tell you today, God will get it to you. God will get it to you somehow. He'll get it to you some way. Now I want to be, I want to be very clear here that the reason he experienced this provision was because he was obedient to the word of the Lord. 
It says the word of the Lord came to Elijah. This wasn't his idea. God told him, I want you to go to the brook Kareth. So here is Elijah. He's in God's place, standing on God's word. The brook Kareth is where God told him to go. He didn't go to another brook. He didn't say, I don't like that brook. I want another brook. He took God's brook. God said, that's where I want you to be. And he was in the will of God, in God's place, in God's time. So he was not depending on the ravens. He was depending on the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord said, if you get where I've told you to get, and you do what I've told you to do, I will provide for you there. So I want you to say with me, it's important to obey God. See, see, God has no compunction to take care of us if we're not living in obedience. He is, and as a matter of fact, He won't. We got to obey Him. That's why I tell you, when you obey the Word of the Lord and you walk in righteousness, you walk in the power of the Spirit, you walk in what God has told you to do, then I'm telling you, God will get it to you. God will take care of you. He'll provide from the north. He'll provide from the south. He'll bring it from the east and call it from the west. He will get it to you if you obey the Lord. When the going gets tough, God gets tougher. God gets tougher. I want you to know, church, our nation is being rocked and rolled. We are in tough times. We are in uncertain times. But you know what God is saying to you and to me, believers? Look at the marked difference. Elijah was a believer. Everybody else was under judgment, but Elijah was under provision and blessing. Everybody else was experiencing famine and drought, but not Elijah. God was taking care of his own. There is a mark on you. It's the mark of the Son of God. He knows those who love Him. He knows those who worship Him. He knows those who wait on Him. And He will take care of His own. The phrase, fear not. You can pick three phrases. Fear not, do not be afraid, be not afraid. One of those three phrases appears 365 times in the Bible. Did you know that? 365 times you'll find fear not do not be afraid be not afraid that is a reminder for every day that the child of God is not to walk in fear but in peace in peace well I'll tell you I believe this God did not give you a spirit of fear but he gave you a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind He didn't give you a spirit of worry. He did not tighten your stomach up like a watch spring. God did not make you lose sleep in the night. God gives His beloved sleep. He has not called us to walk in fear but in faith because He's going to get it to you. He is going to watch over you. When the resurrected Jesus appeared to His disciples, His customary greeting was, Don't be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. When angels visited people in the scriptures, they always said, fear not. When Gabriel appeared to young Mary to announce to her that she was going to bear the Christ child, first thing he said, Mary, fear not. God doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to have faith. It is the repeated message of the prophets, the great ones, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Over and over again, they said, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. God said to Abraham and Moses and Jacob, do not be afraid. Can you say with me, fear not? not. 
God is with you. Now turn to your neighbor and preach to him a little bit and say, fear not. Give the Lord a hand of praise. That's all right. And I'm going to tell you, when fear grips a nation and a nation goes into uncertain times or even judgment, you know what God says to His people? Fear not. I'm going to get it to you in the time of trouble. I'm going to be tougher than your trial. I'm going to be stronger than your valley. I'm going to be brighter than your darkness. I'm going to carry you through. You're not going down, but you're going through. You are not going to be defeated, but if you stay close to Him, cleave to Him, seek Him, God is going to see you through and strengthen you, and you're going to come out on the other side better than before you went in. But now I want to give you, I want to just home in on this story a minute. There's something about this story that has always spoken to me. See, something happened one year into Elijah's miracle lifestyle. Something began to happen. The Bible says in verse 7 of 1 Kings 17, but after a while, the brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. After a while... His familiar source of provision dried up. Well, that's not supposed to happen. God sent me to this brook. What is this brook doing drying up on me? Think about it with me. Elijah had awakened to the sound of this gurgling brook for a year. It had become very familiar to him. And you know what? It had become part of his security. No matter what happens, I've got a brook. No matter what happens, I've got water. No matter what happens, I've got provision. And suddenly, in a night, the brook dried up. It was gone. He woke up and something was wrong. What is it that I'm not hearing? It's too quiet. And he got up and looked. Dry creek bed. It was gone. In a time of national judgment and peril, Elijah's familiar source of provision had gone away. Boy, it's quiet in here. Now, let me bring this home to you today. I want you to listen real carefully to me because you're going to need to remember what I say today. Sometimes our brooks dry up. Selah. Sometimes our brooks dry up. Now let me tell you what a brook can be. Because a brook can be a lot of things. A friendship. You have close friends. People that stimulate your heart, your soul, your mind. People that you just like being around. They're like that gurgling, bubbling source of refreshment. And one day you wake up and that friendship has changed. The brook has dried up and you can't put your finger on it. You just know that it's changed. A teacher can be a brook. Somebody who has awakened your intellect and pushed the door open to new realms of learning for you. And suddenly, you don't learn anymore from them. It's dried up. It's not the source that it used to be. Winky Prattney wrote this in one of his books. Maybe your security has been in a home. Some sanctuary that when you crawl home at midnight, looking like Clark Kent, you can still 
leave the next morning looking like Superman. Once you've been in your little place, your home, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And so you've got a place you go and it refreshes you. And for some reason or another, that brook dries up. Maybe your river of God is an idea. Something that lights up your whole world with vision. A dream, a vision, a goal, an aspiration that moves you on through adversity. And you've had it for years. And suddenly that dream just doesn't, just doesn't start your engine anymore. The brook, for some reason, has dried up. And you don't know where to turn. You don't know why. You just know it's dried up. Maybe it's a job, a business, or a ministry. And your flowing stream is the one thing you enjoy doing most in this world. And for some reason it's dried up. And you can't put your finger on it. You don't understand. But it's not gurgling. It's not bubbling. It's not flowing. It is not refreshing you anymore. And you're going, what in the world is going on? My brook has dried up. This isn't supposed to happen. God told me to come here. God has fed me through this brook, yea, all these years. Isn't it supposed to stay forever? No. One day the brook runs dry, and you go, why would God let this happen? I don't understand. It was such a pretty brook. It was such a great brook. I was there for so long. I drank from it so often. It was just a great setup. Why would God let this dry up? Anybody hearing me today? <laughs> Say, I just don't get it. I don't understand. This brook's not supposed to dry up. This brook isn't supposed to do this. Uh, I like this brook. I'm attached to this brook. That's probably the problem. <laughs> Brooks run dry for a number of reasons. Let me tell you some reasons why brooks run dry. We become too attached to them is the first reason. Oh, yeah. You can get so involved in the work of the Lord that you become disattached from the Lord of the work. You can get so attached to His provision, you forget the provider. You can get so attached to the brook, you forgot who gave it to you. You can worship the brook Love the brook, cleave to the brook, and forget to cleave to the one who gave it to you in the first place. I'm talking to you real today, church. I'm about to preach real good. I want you to listen to me now. You stay by the brook too long. And if you stay by that brook too long, you may fall in love with the brook. And forget the God who gave it to you. I know what I'm talking about because let me tell you something. I fell in love with ministry. I know what it is. I fell in love with ministry. I loved ministry. I, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I worshiped ministry. My dream, my aspiration was all about ministry. I just knew that I was going to rock the nations with preaching the Word of God. I loved being in that stream. I loved praying for the sick. I loved preaching the Word. Still do. But something has shifted in me that needed to shift. See, God will bring the drying up of that brook long enough that you can get redirected to the one who called you to the brook in the first place. And though I love to preach and I do love to minister, it is not my primary passion anymore. My primary passion is Him. That's what it is. 
Because you can get so attached to the things of God. You can get attached to a church. You can get attached to a group of people. You can get attached to a lot of things that have nothing to do with God. And it'll reach a place where that brook careth, that careth, your personal careth, will dry up. Elijah could have enshrined his secret special spring of water. We do this all the time. Do you know that most of the major denominations were birthed from a move of God, a flowing brook? If you go back and check the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals, any of them, they all had a flowing brook. There it is. It's bubbling. It's flowing. We're being fed. We're being nourished. We're drinking from this brook. So they built a denomination on the brook. And now, even, and I'm not saying they're all dead. I'm not saying they're dried up. But you build a denomination on a dry creek bed because that's where it used to flow. And bless God, we're going to enshrine it. Now, I'll tell you what a good charismatic does when, you, when the brook dries up. They stand in the middle of that dry creek bed and they command it to flow again. In the name of Jesus, flow. I said flow. We name it, we claim it. We blab it, we grab it. We speak over it. We don't understand why it won't flow again. <laughs> but you know what? You can talk till you're blue, but if God's dried that thing up, I said, if God has dried that thing up. See, isn't it sad that we, we build our homes, we build our lives around creek beds that God never intended to be forever. And when they dry up, we can't bear to leave it. We can't bear to walk away from it. We can't bear to say goodbye. When in fact, if you're going to walk with God, you've got to learn to flex and flow and flex and flow as we're about to see this is what Elijah did. He could have enshrined it, but he didn't. When the birds delivered breakfast each morning and Elijah contentedly dipped a jug into his private Ozarka, he could easily have said, this is the life, ah, this is the life, and built a house on the banks of the brook. But God didn't allow it. God didn't allow it. I'm going to show you why in just a moment. Another reason brooks dry up is sometimes constant provision and protection can lullaby us to spiritual sleep. We can get into a brook bubble. We're in our brook bubble. Everything is great. Everything is fine. Everything is perfect. I don't want away from this brook. I don't want out of this bubble. God's providing. Everything is taken care of. And we forget the hurting. And we forget the needy. And we forget our call. And we just groove on the brook. And God will cause it to dry up. Another reason brooks dry up is the blessings of God for our shelter and sustenance can sometimes become the very barriers that keep us from Him. We become so content at our brook that we drift from God. And God will not allow that. Careths cannot be permanent. Careths generally change. Anybody hearing me today? Are you telling me I'm going to lose my job? No! I'm telling you that we're going to have to learn to flex and flow because we've known America to be one way and America may be another way. 
We've known very many things to be familiar, and they may change. What are you going to do when what is around you changes and brooks that you've drunk from have now gone dry? Are you going to get mad at God? That's what some people do. My brook dried up. Well, God gave you the brook in the first place, silly. Well, my brook dried up, and I've named it and claimed it and blabbed it and grabbed it and spoken over it and fasted and prayed and bound and loosed, and it's still dry. So I'm walking away from God, picking up my marbles and going home. I'm not going to church anymore. This deal didn't work for me. (laughs) Isn't it true? It didn't work for me. The brook dried up. That was my brook. I love that brook. Who's God to mess with my brook? God's the God of the brook. Anybody hearing me today? God gave you the brook. And if God gave you one brook, He can give you another one. Matter of fact, when that brook dries up, you need to get real excited because that means there's a bubbling and a gurgling somewhere else and God's going to lead you there. It's not bad news when the brook dries up. It's good news. It's a time of change, a time of realignment, a time to flex, a time to get excited because God is never nonplussed by the dried up brook. God doesn't look at your dried up brook and say, well, I'll be. I didn't know that was going to happen. He knew it was going to dry before it ever dried. He knew what was going to happen before it took place. God is bringing change that is good. Whether a person, a place, or a thing, God in His providence often arranges the end of careth. It's time to move on. And the drying up of the brook is the gentle nudge of God back into the work which the Father has called you to do. The drying of the brook is a signal to seek the direction of God. Elijah had sat at the brook careth for a full year now there was work to be done when the brook dried up elijah looked up when the brook dried up he didn't take his marbles and go home he didn't pout he didn't lose his faith he didn't get mad at god when the brook dried up he looked up he knew enough to know he knew enough to know that when the brook dries up, God's got another plan. God's not done. He's just changing directions. He knew when the brook dried up, it was time to get excited because something else was on the horizon. There's a reason the brook dries up. Look what it says. Then the Lord said to Elijah, when the brook dried up and he looked up, God spoke to him. And he said, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Well, that sounds like great news. There is a rich widow who is going to take care of me for the rest of this drought. But when he arrived, a sad and a heartbreaking scene greeted him. Listen to what it says greeted him. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called out. And while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Would you bring me something to eat? And listen to what she said. I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. 
I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we're going to die. Now I want you to notice something. God said, go to Zarephath, a widow is there who's going to feed you. But he gets there and she doesn't have anything. You know what he was walking on? He was walking on the word of God. And that's what you as a Christian are going to have to walk on. The word of God. You're going to have to walk on the word of God. Peter wasn't walking on water. Peter was walking on the word of God. Jesus said, step out onto the water. He was walking on the word of God, not on the water. And you and I are going to have to learn to walk on the word of God. Not circumstances, not a job, not certain money, but on the word of God. And he walked, he walked. He walks in and he sees this tragic situation. Now, please catch this, everybody. On the other side of his dried up brook was a woman and her son about to die. And they were more important to God than Elijah staying in his brook bubble. In a place called Zarephath, here is the widow and her son about to die. A tragic situation. We've got one more meal left and we're going to die and I hope I die before him. I can't watch him die. If Elijah's brook had not dried up, he would never have known of the desperate woman and her dying child. Let me ask you a question. Has your brook dried up? Listen with me. Has your brook dried up? Don't get mad at God. Don't lose your faith. Don't walk away. Here's the deal. If your brook has dried up, there is a Zarephath. There is a Zarephath waiting for Somebody is waiting. An opportunity is calling. A new horizon is dawning in a place called Zarephath. Though the scene was grim, Elijah was there by the word of the Lord. And listen to what he said to her. This is so good. He said, don't worry about a thing. Well, I got one meal left and then we're going to die. He said, don't you worry about a thing. Listen to what he said. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first, everybody say first. First, make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. And I read that. And I said, what a selfish thing to do. This guy gets there. She's about to die. He says, bring me your last meal. <laughs> Bring me that last meal. He was about to introduce her to the principle for survival during times of national judgment. He said, first, bring the meal to me. Now, at that moment, he becomes a type of Christ. He said, go ahead and make a meal for what's left for you and your son afterwards, after you have fed me. This is the word of the God of Israel. He says to her, the jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And what did Elijah do? He brought the sowing and reaping principle of life to this woman in a time of national judgment. And look what it says about her. She went right off and did it. Everybody say with me, she went right off and did it. Did just as Elijah had asked. And the Bible says it turned out as he said. 
daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. Don't ask me how that happened. Here's a jar of oil and a bin of meal. And every time they took it out, it reappeared. Say, that, that, that sounds like abracadabra to me. No, no, no. That's the God of provision. See, you think that you're not going to be living by some miracles? You're going to have some miracles. Our friends by radio, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have some miracles. If you walk on the word of the Lord, you're going to have some miracles. And for two and a half years, they ate, it reappeared. 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 Were they standing on the miracle? No, they were standing on the Word of God. And if his brook had not dried up, this widow woman, a Syrophoenician, not even a woman of covenant, was able to be taught the principles of God. And her and her little boy lived because his brook dried up. That says to me, when your brook, because you're important to God, when it dries up, somebody, something is in Zarephath. And you seek God and He's going to lead you. And you're going to find a different kind of provision. Child of God, don't cry too long over your brook. If it's dried up, lift your eyes to God there's something better, better, better to come. A brook and some ravens don't show you as much about God as a mother and a child do. Your new course will move you from Kareth to Zarephath, and he will again sustain you with the only thing that lasts forever, Himself. Can you stand up with me today? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask that every head be bowed for a moment of prayer and every eye closed. And I'm going to ask you a question. If you can say today, Pastor, I've had a brook dry up. Can you raise your hand? Many, 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 many people. Can I tell you, you need to walk out of here getting excited. If it goes ahead and really dries up, and after fasting and praying and naming it and claiming it, it doesn't come back, then there's a Zarephath. God will get it to you. Father, I want to pray right now for every person in this sanctuary. Matter of fact, if your brook has dried up, I want you to come to the altar right now, would you? Just make your way down. We're going to have a time of prayer and God's going to minister to us. Come down quickly. We're about to close out, but I want to pray for you. And I want to believe God to touch you, minister to you. Thank you, Lord. Come on down. Come quickly. Thank you, Lord.